Okay, uh, we've been in a series studying the book of Acts, and it's been amazing to see the hunger uh, that people have for the power of God, the presence of God, and uh, I think we're living in some exciting times today. So uh, I believe in miracles. I heard a, a story about a boss asking one of his employees, do you believe in life after death? The employee says, certainly not. There's no proof of it. The boss says, well, there is now. After you left early yesterday to go to your uncle's funeral, he came in here looking for you. It's amazing how miracles just keep on happening. Okay, today we're going to be talking about the first physical miracle in the book of Acts, and we are calling it Empowered to Speak the Name of Jesus. So let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, let's make our prayer declaration together. Lift them up high and say this with me. This is my Bible, God's Holy Word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life, so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Acts 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which was 3 in the afternoon. And a certain man came, or a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John uh, about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John and Peter uh, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold. I do not have. I was just thinking, the guy must have said, bummer. (laughs) But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat uh, begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to them, or happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed uh, held on to Peter and John, and I think he was holding on to him. It's like a baby learning to walk. Remember, this guy's never walked in his entire life. So like a newborn animal uh, or a a little baby trying to walk for its first time, he's getting his balance. So he held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's uh, Greatly Amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, 
men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. I don't know about you, but that blows me away just reading that. And killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. An amazing miracle. It's the first physical miracle of the new church. And Peter and John are two of the original 12 disciples, and they have all been empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. And just a few days earlier, Peter preached to a huge crowd 3,000 men, not counting women and children, put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The church is growing by leaps and bounds. Baptisms, water baptisms are taking place daily, and the church is being empowered outside the gates of the building. And they're empowered to do signs, wonders, and miracles, and preach the gospel. So here's something you should write down. Fill in these notes. There is no greater witness of God's greatness and grace than that of a changed life. Let me say that again. There is no greater witness of God's greatness and grace than that of a changed life. And Jesus is about to change this guy's life like never before. So Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. They see this man sitting by the gate called Beautiful. This was not a, an abnormal sight or routine. Many sick and disabled people sat outside the gate uh, begging for money daily. So uh, they knew they were not allowed inside the gate, these crippled people or, or invalids, because of their imperfections, so they were not allowed to go in and offer sacrifices. So Peter and John see this guy, and so do many other folks on their way to go through the gates to worship and praise God. And as they would walk by, people would reach into their pockets or into their wallets, whatever they had, and take out money, hoping everybody would see them, give the money, so everybody would praise them for how generous they were, and also they hoped that God would see as well. So this guy, who's been lame from birth, he's been brought here every day since he was 12 or 13 years old, and is expecting some money from the passers-by because they all know him and have seen him for many, many years. But Peter stops, looks intently at him, and I believe Peter was quickened by the Holy Spirit, and I believe the Holy Spirit said, today's this man's day. So he said, silver and gold I, I don't have for you, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And there were many people named Jesus, but so he said, Jesus of Nazareth, so they know who it was. 
Peter takes his hand and he leaps up and starts leaping and dancing and praising God. And then Peter takes, uh, then he takes Peter's and John's arm, arms for the first time in his life. He's actually walking and he walks through the gate and he's allowed to enter into a building he's never been in before to worship God. That's the way we should walk in here every single Sunday. Walking, leaping, praising God. There should be, you should not be so, so many sticks in the mud. I'm telling you, you need to get in here, get up to this altar, walking, leaping, praising God for what he's done in your life. I'm telling you, that's why we worship him. All right, shot myself down, that's okay. There's no greater witness of God's greatness and grace than that of a changed life. So Peter says, guys, don't look at us. Don't look at us as if we did this miracle. It was Jesus of Nazareth and faith in his name that healed this man. In other words, what else did you expect to happen when we proclaimed the name of Jesus and prayed in the name of Jesus? What else would you expect except a miracle? Now, <coughs> excuse me. Um, let's just uh, think about the name of Jesus for a moment. Let's just all clear our throats first. <laughs> Thank you. I'm cleared now, but you guys go ahead. All right. What happens to so many of us is we take the name of Jesus for granted. It just, just we'll, we'll be monotone and we'll, we'll be going through the parking lot trying to get a spot by Marshalls. Lord. Could you just give me a parking spot in Jesus' name? <laughs> Lord, maybe my wife has a headache or somebody has a headache. Lord, heal her headache in Jesus' name. If you have a headache, it's probably different, but you don't have it. And then when it does happen, we're shocked. Like, really? I just prayed in the name of Jesus and something actually happened. Listen, we're New Testament believers who've been empowered with the Holy Spirit to witness and pray and, and then do signs, wonders, and miracles. This should be the norm inside this place and outside this place in our daily lives. I, I like this quote by David uh, Guzik. He said, for some people to say silver and gold I do not have is about the worst thing that can be said. They feel the church is in ruins if it must say silver and gold I do not have. But it is much worse if the church never has the spiritual power to say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Come on. I'm telling you, the church for many years has had a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You are full of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I was just thinking, when I, when I read this quote, I was thinking about, have you ever had a squirt gun that doesn't squirt? And uh, you sit there and you're pumping it and a little tiny dribble comes out and people are coming at you with all, lords, all, all loads of power in their squirt guns. And then, I, so this is what happened to me for years. These guys would come at me with squirt guns. So I went and bought the Blast Force. And, and I wanted to show you guys how this, this gun works. There's nothing in it. I wasn't allowed to put any water in it. And that's exactly right. So here's the problem with these squirt guns. They run out of water. But have you ever used a pressure washer? 
Pressure washers are amazing. So, you know, for the first time when, when springtime comes, we sometimes get a pressure washer to wash off the deck and all the, all, the, um, all the grass, all that stuff. Anyway, all the moss. So for the, the first time I tried a pressure washer, I didn't know what I was doing. I borrowed it from a friend, and I got it hooked up. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you start like a lawnmower, it's gas-powered. Everybody knows that you're using the pressure washer because everybody in the neighborhood can hear it. So I have, a, I have the nozzle attached to the wand and the wand attached to the hose and all that stuff. And I, I, I take that, that wand and I pull the trigger and nothing comes out. It's just like this little trickle. I put the thing down there by the grass and the concrete and all that, nothing really happened. So I texted the guy and said, hey, I, I, I don't understand why this thing's not working. He said, well, did you start it up? I said, yes, I started it up. The motor's running. He goes, did you flip the switch? I said, there's a switch? He said, that's what causes the water to flow. So I flipped the switch, and I am telling you, lawn chairs went everywhere. Uh, <laughs> gravel went everywhere. I, I'm telling you, I burned a hole right through the deck wood, and, and I was like, this is what I call power. Now, <laughs> you need to know that if you're going to use power, though, you got to use it the right way. So I found out there were different kinds of nozzles, and what I had on, they call it the bullhorn. It's the, the most powerful. It'll burn a hole right through somebody's body if you, if you do it. So you, you got to change the right nozzle. Once I got the right nozzle on, I was cleaning up the, the deck and everything really nice and looked really good. But you got to find the right uh, nozzle to do that. Here's, it's a picture of the church, folks. A lot of people have the power of the Holy Spirit, but they don't flip the switch. And I'm telling you, you need to be full and flip the switch every time you come here. Don't sit back and snooze and sleep. I'm t- anybody sleeping today, I'm going to wake you up, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, what we do is we go, yeah, I have a pressure washer. But all that comes out is a Lord, help me find the right shoe today. Lord, heal him in the name of Jesus. Bless this food, Jesus. Amen. (laughs) What I've learned is you've got to flip the switch and give it all you've got. So when you say the name of Jesus, you're saying, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, depression, be gone. In the name of Jesus, cancer, leave this body. In the name of Jesus, addiction, leave this body and mind. In the name of Jesus, be loose from this person's life. And believers, when you start practicing that, the power of God and the authority of Jesus begins to fill not only a building, but fills a community and people begin to rise up and say, I need that Jesus in my life. Ephesians Ephesians tells us to ask for the revelation of the power of his name. Ephesians 1, 17 through 21 says, keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Uh, 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And, the, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, This is a revelation of the power of Jesus in your life and my life. The same power that raised him from the dead comes into your life with the authority of Jesus' name. So we don't, now listen to me. You don't get to live like hell and think the authority will work. You can't expect to throw his name around and think all sorts of good things are going to happen. We don't get to do what we want and live according to our terms and then walk in his his authority and have breakthrough for other people's lives. It doesn't work that way. In Acts 19, 11 through 16, I remember a story about seven guys named the seven sons of Sceva. These guys were the sons of a priest. They didn't claim Jesus to be their Messiah, but they thought they would throw his name in there with their incantations and as they did, they decided to cast out some demons out of this, this one guy, and they were using all these incantations, and then they said, by the authority of Jesus, we cast you out. And the demons said to them, all seven of them, Paul we know, Jesus we know, but who are you? And then it says, they all got stripped naked and ran out of there. How embarrassing. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you cannot add Jesus like uh, into your cantations like abracadabra. I'm telling you, you need to know him and be in covenant relationship with him. And then in Acts 19, it goes on to say that as the name of Jesus then began to flow through the people of God, it says people began to confess their sins. They brought all the books and stuff they used to pra- that they used to practice magic with, and they brought them and put a pile of them together, and they burned them before the Lord. And it says uh, that... Uh, they burned, it was worth 50,000 pieces of silver, which would be worth over $1,321,000 today. Authority in his name comes from covenant relationship that we have with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when you become a Christian, you take on his name. When Lois and I got married, she took on my name and everything else. She took on the checkbook. She took on the savings. She took on my ability to dress myself. She, she took it all. It's so much so that this last week when I went into the bank, this is how, I didn't tell you this on purpose. It's because I was saving it for today. I walked into the bank and the lady goes, oh, you're Lois's husband. She didn't even know who I was. She just knew I was Lois's husband. As soon as I said, oh, you're Lois's husband. Yeah, that's the way it worked. I don't have anything left. She has it all. Peter begins to give a little revelation to this audience, to his audience, about who this man Jesus really is. So he says in verse 12, 
He says, but when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? And why are you staring at us as though by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. So Peter addresses a couple things here. First, he addresses their God because he knows his audience. If you're going to use the name of Jesus, you need to know your audience. You need to know who you're talking to so that you can get their attention. And for them, when, as soon as he met, said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they go, he's talking about our God. And so they were familiar with that. And then he goes on to tell them that Jesus or God glorified this man, Jesus, and refers to him as being a glorified servant, which got their attention because there are four Old Testament prophecies in the book of Isaiah that talks about Jesus the Messiah being a servant uh, that would come as a servant. So these Jewish people he's addressing, they know that this is their God and they know that he's glorified by Jesus the servant. And so all of a sudden they're realizing he's talking to us and telling us Jesus is God. And so Peter's saying he's a servant, but he's glorified by God, the God you honor. He's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. He's our Messiah. And then he tells them, you denied him. And uh, I, I, I know that sometimes some people get really upset. You come to church and you got a fired up preacher like me up here and they get in your face and, and you're just like, man, he's being a little hard. But here's the thing about Peter. He was wanting them to see how much they had hurt God, how much they had denied God, how much they had come against him. And so he comes and says that in a real strong way. But then he goes on to say, we'll read it in a little bit. He goes on to tell them they did it out of ignorance. But he tells them, you denied the Holy One, the just one. And they all knew he was talking about Jesus Christ being God. So as he does that, he introduces to them who Jesus really is. And scripture also tells us many things. And I'm going to give you this on your notes. There are many things about the name of Jesus that we learn from the word of God. Let me just give you a few. First one is salvation is in the name of Jesus, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I know that we do a, a prayer of repentance every week here, uh, and we use biblical terms with it, but there's no place in Scripture that says you have to pray this prayer. Billy Graham started introducing it back in the 50s, so we've kind of just gone along with that, and I think it's a good thing. I'm not trying to say downplay it, but let me just say this. Do you know what it takes to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess he is Lord of all and you are saved. Ask him to cleanse you of your sins. So salvation is in the name of Jesus. John 14, 13, answered prayer is in the name of Jesus. He said, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified through the Son. Lois and Lynn were telling me that this week they were getting some hats for some people uh, some volunteers, and the machine broke down. They got a call and said, sorry, we can't get you the hats. Uh, it'll be a couple hours. And Lois said to Lynn, let's pray. So they prayed in the name of Jesus for the machine, and within two hours, the, the guy got called back and said, I don't know what happened. The machine started working and got him the hats. So I'm just saying, you can pray for machines too. It works. 
In Acts 2.38, forgiveness of sin is in the name of Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Isaiah 9.6, all authority and wise counsel is in the name of Jesus. Proverbs 18.10, safety and refuge are in the name of Jesus. And then Mark 16, 17 through 19, healing is in the name of Jesus. And then, let me just say this about healing. Uh, We called our daughter uh, Jill this week and said, do you remember any time that you saw some miracles? She said, yes. I was on the mission field. I was in Mexico. We laid hands on a blind man and he instantly received his sight. She said, we, and I said, well, you never even told me about it. She goes, I don't know why I didn't. But anyway, she said, we laid hands on a deaf guy. He instantly received his hearing. Lois told me she was lying in bed, could not open her eyes because they were so sensitive to light. She just couldn't open her eyes. Jamie, at the age of six, walked in, heard her mom say, I can't open my eyes, put her hands on Lois's eyes and said, in Jesus' name, heal my mom's eyes. And instantly, Lois was able to open her eyes. And I've, I've seen so many miracles. When, when we were in Bulgaria in a gypsy camp, I love gypsy people. They have great faith. This lady came up. She had a hump on her back like a camel's hump. And she was bent over way down here. And a bunch of us laid hands on her. And we said, in Jesus' name, lump, you be dissolved in Jesus' name. And right before our eyes, we saw this hump dissolve and disappear. An angel was praying for a deaf lady over on the other side, and she instantly received her hearing. I'm telling you, that grows your faith. In Matthew 10, it tells us, there is power and authority to cast out demons and heal diseases. Now, I tell you that, when I first started pastoring, I've told this story before, but it, it bears repeating today. And uh, I was about my third week of uh, preaching in church, and I got this call on a Saturday night that this guy said, hey, I've got demons beat me up. They're trying to kill me. Would you come and pray for me? He lived up in Montesano, and I said, I have a couple of elders that live up there. Why don't you call them? (laughs) He said, said, I know who they are, and I tried calling them, and nobody answered. So I said, okay, I'll come. And then I said to Lois, our kids were about... 13, 11 then, uh, I said to Lois, Lois, will you go up to me and pray for this guy? And she said, there's no way I'm going up there. So she stayed home. So it's about 10 o'clock at night. I go up there, knock on the door, and this guy opens the door and says, hey, Doug, I'm sure glad you came. Invites me in. I sit in a chair about right here. He's sitting about that far away from me in those chairs there. And he sits down. He starts talking to me about motorcycles and cars. And I'm totally confused, like, What's the deal? So after he goes on for a little bit, I say to him, hey, I thought you called me up here because you were hearing voices and demons were talking to you. And he said to me, just looked at me actually, clenched his teeth, took his fist. Now this guy is about 220 pounds, six foot tall, built like a bull, takes his hand and he bashes it down on the carpet and says, I'm gonna bash your effing face in. Now, I'd never seen anything like this before, so the first thing I thought was, I need to find the door. Because <laughs> if, if this guy gets to me, I'm going out here like a son of Skiva. That's what I thought. So he, he stands up, he starts coming at me, and I say, in the name of Jesus, we'll call him Thomas, I want to talk to Thomas. And all of a sudden, he turns normal, looks at me, and I went, 
He goes, oh, Doug, I'm so glad you came. Thanks for coming. I said, do you know that there's some weird stuff happening? <laughs> Something else is talking at you. He goes, yeah. He said, I, that's why I called you up here. I said, okay. Now, my theology was if I lead this guy to Jesus, demons will leave and this guy will be normal. So I said to him, have you ever met Jesus? He said, well, I prayed the prayer, but I didn't really mean it. So I'm thinking, okay, well, this is good. We can pray the prayer by faith and everything will be fine. So I led him to the Lord and uh, he prayed the prayer. And then I said, put your hands over your stomach and heart. I'll put my hands on yours and we'll pray that the Holy Spirit will seal it. So we did. And all of a sudden, I, I was like the world wrestling mania. I'm not kidding you. Something took this six foot, 220 pound guy, lifted him up and did a body slam to the floor. And all of a sudden, this voice comes out of him saying, you can't have him. I own him. In the name of Jesus, I want to talk to Thomas. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> so he comes to himself. And I said, to make a long story shorter, I said, uh, what happened? He said, when I was 12, I made a pact with the devil that if he would help me become a motorcycle winner uh, that, that I would serve him the rest of my life. His parents were building a new house and didn't have time for him. So I made this pact with the devil. At the end, I found out the reason there was authority in this man's life or a stronghold is because he had unforgiveness towards his father and his mother and was refusing to forgive them. Once he renounced that, his father was in another part of the house, came out. His father asked him to forgive him. And when both of them said they forgave each other, the demon screeched and left. By this time, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. Eight hours later, he came to church and got baptized in water. So, come on. I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. Now, it also, you need to know, uh, Philippians 2, 8 through 11 says there's lordship in the name of Jesus. He's got a name above every name. He's exalted above every single name. That's why people curse Jesus. You don't hear him cursing Allah. You don't hear him cursing Buddha. They curse Jesus because Jesus is a name above every single name. So as believers, when we start speaking the name of Jesus, we are not just speaking about uh, the Christmas Jesus or the Easter Jesus or Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're talking about the Jesus who's above all Jesus. He's above every single name, all right? For those who believe in the servant Jesus, whom our God glorified, when we speak the name of Jesus, here's what we're saying. In Jesus' name, the forgiver. In Jesus' name, the redeemer. In Jesus' name, the healer. In Jesus' name, the refuge. In Jesus' name, the rock that is higher than I. In Jesus' name, that brings healing to my marriage. In Jesus' name, that brings prodigals home in Jesus name that heals every disease the lame the blind leper whatever it might be God is amazing when his name is spoken with power and with faith so three things you need to know and then we'll close it up here number one the name of Jesus has authority beyond the gate this man was sitting outside the gate called beautiful it was 75 feet tall uh, so three times to four, three to four times higher than this ceiling. That's one big door. It was made out of the Corinthian brass. Josephus, the uh, his historian, said that this gate 
Uh, out of all the gates that led into the temple, this was the most beautiful gate. That's why it stood out as the beautiful gate. It was a gate that separated the court uh, of the women uh, from the court of the men uh, or the court of Israel. From this gate, there were 15 steps that went down to the lower court, which was not only where the women were, but also where the, the lame and those that were diseased were sat as well. So he was a lame, he was lame from birth. It was a, a congenital anomaly. And he's, he's never known or had the ability to actually walk. So I just want you to know, his only childhood that he ever knew was that of begging. That's it. And I'm drawing this out because Jesus visited the temple and he went through these gates and Jesus passed by him probably many, many times. And I bet Jesus, this guy was thinking, aren't you ever going to touch me? And Jesus, every time he passed by him, was saying, your day's on its way. Your day's coming. I don't understand God's timing. I don't understand the way God does things. But I will tell you this. God's timing is perfect. And he knows what's best for our lives. Now, I've had a lot of other people say to me, I don't belong in church. I don't belong in the building that the people gather at. It's beautiful, but I'm flawed. And they, they shouldn't let me in there. I should always be outside the gate. They have this idea that they got to clean up before they come in. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have people come in here all the time and go, I can't believe so-and-so here is here. I used to party with them, used to take drugs with them, used to do all this stuff. I can't believe they're here. And then they get excited and think, if they can be here, maybe I can be here. That's a good thing. And, and I just want you to know, <clears throat> uh, we were trying to think of people we've led to the Lord over the years through the name of Jesus. One guy in particular, he was 84 years old. His name was Pops Wakefield. Pops uh, swore all of his life. He, he, every other word out of his mouth was a curse word. And he was ready to die. He had cancer. So I led, I said, Pops, you want to know Jesus? He said, yeah, I, I, want, I want to go in, into eternity right with God. So I led him to the Lord, and I said, Pops, you need to come to church and give your testimony. And he said, I'm not going to church and give my testimony. I'll end up cussing and, and giving my testimony. I said, that's okay. It'll be good for the religious folks. Anyway, <laughs> <clears throat> so he comes in his wheelchair. I start interviewing him, and uh, uh, as we're talking, somewhere in this sentence, in one of his things he was saying, he goes, hell no, I don't know how that happened. And you heard some people go, <gasps> and I was like, way to go, pops. Way to just get into those religious folks. Now, I'm not saying you should all be cussing Christians. I'm not saying that, but I am saying we got to make room and give grace for God to clean up people's lives. My, my 84-year-old grandfather, 83-year-old grandfather, I'll never forget three weeks before he, he went into the hospital. I was standing outside his door and I said, Grandpa, do you want to know Jesus? And he was one of those kind of guys that got saved every Christmas and every Easter most of his life. And so he said, I, I do want to get right with God. And He said, I don't think I'm coming out of this surgery. He had a little spot on his lungs. Anyway, we, I led him to the Lord and then I said, Gramps, do you want to go inside and ask Grandma to forgive you for things you've done to her? And, he said, yeah, I do. So we went inside. 
and he asked my grandma to forgive him for being mean and just different things that he had done. And the three of us just hugged and cried. My grandfather went in three weeks later, and he didn't come out. He's in heaven today because he gave his life to Jesus because of the name of Jesus. So we, I just want you to know, the name of Jesus needs to be taken outside the gates. That's why our business people who are believers prayed over our city a few weeks ago. That's why we go to the flagpoles at our schools to speak and pray the name of Jesus. That's why we, we take the name of Jesus to the ones who are doing uh, through food distribution and those kind of things. We take the name of Jesus to our places of work. Wherever you go, you take the name of Jesus with you. If you're a believer, don't take a megahorn. Don't take a blowhorn like, like the pressure washer. Don't, don't do that. Now, I'm not saying there's, that, that God might tell you to do that maybe down in the streets of New Orleans or something, but for the most part, Christians can be weird. I, I just, don't be weird. <laughs> just speak Jesus' name with wisdom. Speak Jesus, and the best way to speak Jesus' name it's through your story. You just start talking to somebody and say, tell me your story, and they tell you, and then you go, you know, something like that happened to me, but Jesus came in my life and changed everything. So when Peter and John spoke the name of Jesus, it was the first time ever to enter through the gate because they spoke the name outside the gate. He came inside the gate and worshiped in the house of God for the first time ever in his life. Here's the second thing. The name of Jesus does a complete work. See, then it says that uh, in verse seven, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into, into the temple with them. You need to understand the book of Acts was written by Luke, who was a physician. And as a doctor, he describes what happened to this guy. I like what this commentary says. It says, perhaps only medical men can fully appreciate the meaning of these words. They are peculiar technical words of a medical man. The word translated feet is only used, only used by Luke and nowhere else. It indicates his discrimination between different parts of the human heel. The phrase ankle bones is again a medical, medical phrase to be found nowhere else. The word leaping up describes the coming suddenly into socket of something that was out of place, the articulation of a joint. This then is a very careful medical description of what happened in connection with this man. This description tells us the miracle wasn't partial, it was complete through Jesus name. Now, I don't understand how God does some things and not other things, but I know this. I'm going to keep praying in the name of Jesus and believing for miracles until the day I die, and I'm going to hope for batting a 1,000 down the road. Right now, it's a little over 100, but there it goes, all right? Keep praying in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the last thing. The name of Jesus leads to repentance and refreshing. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And it says in verse 16, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that you and your leaders did to Jesus 
was what you did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling all that the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer uh, these things. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you, uh, Jesus, your appointed Messiah. I want you to know that Peter's saying this, in light of who you know Jesus to be and by who I just told you he was, repent. <clears throat> and repent means simply this, you're facing this way and you turn this way and you run to the cross. And it's not an incomplete thing. It's not, I think I'll get rid of a little of this or a little of that. It's saying, God, I give it all to you. It literally means face to face. That's what he's saying. He's saying face to face. Get rid of it. Once you see my face, you won't want this stuff anymore. Once you allow me in your life. And then once you give it all to him, surrender it all to him, you know what it says? Times of refreshing. You know what the word refreshing means? It means a cold drink on a hot summer day. That's what it means. You know what else it means? It means to take a deep breath, a breath of rest. There's nothing like a clean conscience. There's nothing like a pure heart. It makes you just go, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love me enough, that you chose me to forgive me of all my sins that you gave me multiple chances. And today, Lord, I see your face. I don't want any more of the past. I just want you. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe I was describing you today. That you're the person that you need to turn your face to Jesus and away from the sin that's been dragging you down. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, and as I do, I'm asking you to say, Jesus, I turn my back on this life that's leading me to no place, to unfulfillment. It's leading me to a, a life of drudgery and, and, and despair. I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna look into your face, I'm gonna lay it all at your feet, and Lord, just like you did for the lame man, I am asking you to do it for me. In Jesus' name, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And if that's you today, and you need Jesus, your Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. So that's me. Raise them high. Don't hold them back. I see one, two, <clears throat> excuse me, three, four, <clears throat> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, come on. Woo! All right, here's what you do. You're not on this by yourself. We're in this together. We're gonna worship God together. You're coming into the family of God by faith. So you believe in your heart, confess it with your mouth. Say this with me, everybody. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life. Be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name.
And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay. Now, if I can have all the older workers, prayer, prayer folks, come on up. What we're going to do, if you gave your life to Jesus today, they're going to help you get started in your next step. Get involved in Fresh Start class. Get involved in Equip. Get baptized in water. Those are your next steps. But here's the other thing I want to do today. I want to open up this altar for healing. I believe with all my heart today, there's people that you've been packing infirmities that God's saying today, we're going to lay hands on you, speak the name of Jesus, and believe God to heal your bodies, heal your souls, heal marriages, whatever it might be. Don't hold back. Get up here right now as we worship. Come on. Walter's open.